0: Hey guys, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Lee, and I'm so glad that you're here. I created this podcast with the simple desire of wanting women to have a place to share their stories. Our stories are so powerful, and God's fingerprints are evident throughout them all. So each week, I sit down with another woman who is brave enough to share her story with us. We talk all the things with no judgment. While each story is unique to the person telling it, I find that I see myself in all of them, and I'm sure that you will too. Welcome back to Tales of Moxie. We are back this week with Carolyn. Welcome back. Thank you. (laughs) We always love when she comes, and um, I've heard that you guys have loved it too. So I have been getting great feedback with Carolyn, and we are thankful to have you.
1: Oh, always glad to be
0: here. This week we got to talk to Dr. Kim Kimberlyn. His latest book is 14 Keys to Lasting Love, and he also has his own podcast, The Awesome Marriage Podcast.
1: And I was thankful to be a part of this discussion with Dr. Kimberling because we covered so many great topics um, related to marriage. Biblical intimacy, which includes, you know, emotional intimacy, sex, all of the important stuff that women and men are facing in that marriage relationship. Um, And Dr. Kimberling has some fantastic advice uh, for all of us, really. So I'm excited for you to hear our conversation and enjoy.
0: Well, welcome to the Tales of Moxie podcast. This week, we have our third male on, and we are so excited to welcome Dr. Kimberlyn. Thank you for making time for us this morning.
2: Hey, thanks for asking me. I do feel honored that I am the only the third guy to be on this thing. So, I mean, that's a real select group right now, right?
0: It is, you're one of few. Um, I want to kind of ask you a little bit about, I recently found your book, 14 Keys to Lasting Love. Would you mind telling us just a little bit about yourself and kind of how you came to committing your life to talking and working with couples on marriage?
2: Sure. Well, I've been a Christian counselor for 35 plus years. And early on, I worked with kids and parents and all kinds of different scenarios as far as counseling. But the more I worked with kids, the more I realized maybe the best way I can help these kids is by helping their parents have good marriages. And so I think God used that to really begin to lead me into that. And then in 2011, we started Awesome Marriage, which kind of is offshoot of what I do as far as a counseling room, but Awesome Marriage is to reach people with God's plan for Awesome Marriage. And we do it where people are. We do it through social media, we do it through podcasts, we do it through video, just about any way that we can to get people where they are to help them see that God really does have a plan for their marriages. And that's a really good plan. It's a lot better than something else that they might choose out there. And so out of that, we've been able to do a couple books. The newest one is 14 Keys to Lasting Love. It came out January 8th. Uh, and we're pleased. The early start it has uh, it's it's really just some. We tried to, the the kind of background on the book. Uh, summer before last, we surveyed two hundred couples, and we asked them, "What are you dealing with in marriage? What what are the things that you're dealing with just day to day?" Some of them were the same things that people always deal with: finances and things like that. But we also saw people dealing with video games and with online porn and with the internet and just a number of things that have become part of our culture over the last years that you know really people they weren't there 15 years ago, 10 years ago, a lot of those things. I mean, social media hadn't been around that long when you really think about it, especially to the level it is today. And so how do we deal with these things? And so a lot of the book is is taking those keys, looking at those issues, telling people stories, and then how, how, do you, how do you keep from falling into those traps? How do you take one of the keys and move your marriage forward instead of falling in the trap that so many couples do and move your your marriage backwards?
0: Mm. Yeah, and that is such a good point because, our, like you said, our society today is so different. And one of the topics that I um, have been dying to kind of dig in with you here is intimacy in marriage. And I'm really curious, how have you seen, especially being around marriages as long as you have. How have you seen what you were just talking about, all of social media and technology and the way that our culture has shifted? How have you seen that affect intimacy and in marriage?
2: I think so much of marriage, I think, is part of connecting. And I think because we have so many distractions in our lives now, and, and people have always had distractions, I get that, but I think I think we have so many distractions now and so many way, things that we can that can occupy our time, our focus, our interest, and a lot of those don't have anything to do with marriage. And so I think if we're not intentional about connecting with our spouse on a regular basis, You know people can become strangers living in the same house and and that's really sad but i think we see that happen or where they just don't connect enough that they're cordial to each other they may not fight or all that kind of stuff but they don't have a connection and and they don't have what i think god has for them in a marriage and that is a deep intimate relationship in 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 their marriage and so i think it's it's Lack of connection is a big step in that, and we connect in so many ways. We connect through just communication, learning how to resolve conflict in a healthy way, um, reading the Bible together, praying together. So many ways that we can connect and build intimacy, and yet it seems like today for a lot of couples that gets put on the back burner, and then they come in to see me for counseling, and it's like they're, you know, they don't even hardly know each other anymore, and it's just because that happens.
0: Hmm. So kind of what would you say then that that like a good biblical intimacy looks like in marriage? Is there such thing as that? What does that look like for us?
2: Sure. Yeah, I, I think it is. I think that was God's plan from the beginning. I mean, I think if you go all the way back to Genesis with Genesis 2 and that incredible picture God gives us of marriage with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, you know, and they were in this beautiful place and God came and spent time with them every day. And I think that's what He wants for us. I think He wants a husband and wife so connected with Him at the center that the intimacy just flows and God is a, a part of that. And so I think we can have that. I think obviously we know what happened in the garden, you know. Eve eats apple and she gives something to Adam who happens to be standing right there and not being much of a husband because he's letting her do it. <laughs> so I, used to, I used to get mad at Eve and I thought, well, he's right there. She didn't run have to go somewhere to find him. You know, so He certainly has a part in that too. And then, but then I think through what Jesus did for us, that was all redeemed. And so I think God wants that intimate relationship with us individually and then our marriage. And so I, I think to me, that's that plan where it's, um, Where you're connected, where you spend together. You know, there's nothing I think that connects a couple more than praying together. I think praying together is such a powerful thing. And and you know, Nancy and I've had lots of times in our marriage where we would pick out something that we were really concerned about and we'd both be praying about it together. And we've seen God show up over and over and over. Now, did he always do it the way we wanted him to? No. But he always heard our prayer, he always showed up and he always answered in the best way it could be answered. And so we've learned how important that is. You know, we, one of the things we we did so many things wrong in our marriage. One of the things we did right was from our wedding night on, we prayed together. And it was really because we got married young, we were 20. But Nancy had this woman that was a mentor that told her how important it was for couples to pray together. So on our wedding night, she hadn't talked to me about it beforehand, you know, I wasn't thinking about praying, honestly, you know, like, <laughs> you, know you know, but, but so she did, she said, can we pray? And I thought, yeah, sure. You know, I wasn't going to say no. And so we, we said the prayer that Jesus taught him. We said the Lord's prayer and that began a pattern. And seriously, we have probably paid, prayed 99% of the nights of our marriage. That has made a difference. that has connected us. I think it has given us not that we always put God first like we needed to, but it keep kept us on that track of this is where we we need to go, we want to go, even though we're taking a lot of detours at times in getting there.
0: Mm. I think that's beautiful because I feel like for myself, the most vulnerable. I am is when I'm praying, right? When I'm in front of my maker, I feel the most vulnerable that I could possibly feel. So kind of connecting that is beautiful. I'm wondering just for our listeners that are maybe thinking the practical steps, what if they have never done that before and they are 10 years into their marriage and they've never prayed together. And this seems almost scary. Um, what would you kind of suggest? How did they start something like that?
2: I think it is scary. I think it is, um, probably for women, but I think especially for guys, we don't like to be vulnerable very well. And you're right. You know, there's a lot of vulnerability that can come in praying. If we really pray, I think with, with our hearts really open. So when I tell couples, just, you know, start where you're comfortable and start wherever the person that's least comfortable. And that may be that you sit down and you say, let's pray about this. And maybe you don't even pray out loud together. Maybe you just both commit every day. We're going to, maybe it's one of your kids and, and the kid's struggling in school, and you say, let's pray for a breakthrough there. Let's pray for something to happen to move him or her forward, and so you both begin to pray about that every day, and then I think you see God show up, and I think for a number of reasons. One, I think God answers those prayers, and two, I think just because we're being intentional about together and praying about it, I think it helps our focus be on that too, and, and we end up doing our part in a better way, so I would say start um, start as simple as you can, you know, you can, what we started, we start out saying the Lord's prayer and then we would pray silently together. We'd usually talk about, well, we're supposed to be praying about this. I didn't feel comfortable praying out loud then at all. I mean, and Nancy did, she was always a number of steps ahead of me as far as our praying together. Uh, but it worked. And eventually I was, and not that it, I was trying to climb this ladder because if I never prayed out loud together, but still prayed with her, I think that would have been fine. But I think God just led me to where I became more comfortable with praying out loud with her. And then I, you know, you talked about the vulnerability. I remember the first time that we were kneeling by the bed and pray, we always prayed at night together. That just seemed to work for us uh, before kids and then with kids after getting them in bed. But for some reason I just said some things that were really vulnerable that I had not planned at all. It's like the Holy Spirit just slapped me and it came out, you know, or something like that. And I thought and I can remember quitting and thinking, well, she's going to think she's married the biggest wimp in the world. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, I quit praying. I looked at her and she had tears going down her cheeks. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, I guess I can do this. So mm-hmm. it, it was a process for me to get there. And so I, I, saying that, I don't think anybody should try to jump there. I mean, I think just start where you can. And if you just pick something and be pray about it intentionally together, that's a great start. And then see where God leads you in that. Um, if you just do that the rest of your life, you're going to be way ahead of the people that don't. I mean, there's a statistic. I can't remember who did the survey that uh, the divorce rate for couples who regularly pray together is less than 1%. I mean, that's huge, but I think it shows where it puts our focus, where it puts God and how we look at each other when we're praying together. It's hard to fight and throw things at each other and then then pray. You know, it just just doesn't seem to go together. And so I think it's helped us in a lot of ways. We've made a lot of mistakes, but I think that was the one thing if I could say that drew us back to each other, that drew us closer to God, it was consistently saying, we got to pray. And we would pray some nights when we were both so mad at each other. And one of us would go, we got to pray, you know, and and usually we would hold hands. And so then we, we would be purposefully putting our hands so we didn't have to hand, hold the other one, but we'd pray, you know, and so somehow we weathered through those things.
0: And what a good reminder that even though we're not always going to feel it, it's still a yeah. good discipline to do, Yeah, I appreciate it that.
2: And it's yeah. not like we if we would have faked it, God knew anyway. It's not like we were gonna fool him that he knew we were mad at each other. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. you might as well act it out.
1: <laughs> and I love that you started that on your wedding night too, that the sooner that you can start that as a couple, I think the, the more it becomes part of that, the muscle memory, <laughs> the easier that it can yeah. get at, at times. And so I think it, that's such a great encouragement even for single people to start.
2: I do too, and I, I wish I could take credit for it, but I'm so glad. <laughs> that, this, that this, Nancy has had a couple of women in her lives over the years that has has really changed our marriage. That one, and then about year six, when we were really thinking about splitting, and this wise woman gave her some counsel that encouraged her to stay in and see what God would do. And so, um, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in speaking into uh, older people, speaking into younger people about marriage and telling people that how important prayer is, how important it is to to stick it out no matter what happens and let God do some amazing things in your marriage. And he does.
0: He does. So prayer being that, I love that. That's something that we definitely need to keep at the top. What else or what are some other ways that we can kind of be intentional about building intimacy in our marriage, especially if maybe like you were just saying, like we're at a place that intimacy doesn't seem a part of it? Or like you have said before, maybe we're so distracted that we just don't know each other anymore. Where are good places to kind of jump in intentionally and build that intimacy?
2: Yes, because I I think it is hard to get back on track when you are not. And I think, you know, community, you know, I tell people, you got to communicate, you've got to sit down face to face with each other. And so some couples that haven't done that in a long time, and I'll say, well, just, and they'll say, what will we even talk about? And I said, well, just, just talk about your day with each other. Talk about maybe what you, what you saw God do in the day that day. But even if you start with just five minutes a day and just become intentional about doing that day after day, that will begin to connect because people, it's amazing. There's a another stat that I used to teach when I did pre-marriage classes and it's like before marriage, average couple spends three hours a day communicating and into marriage it's like five minutes a day. And so mm. we just quit doing what got us to the altar. And so I think so many people you get busy, especially when kids come. And that's where I see a lot of couples struggle. It's like, okay, we were doing so good and now we've got two kids and we don't, you know, we don't spend that time together. So I think sitting down together, communicating is really, really important. I think having fun together is important. I think mm-hmm. finding things that you you know most couples, you know, I'll talk to couples and they'll say, I'll say, what do you do for fun? And they'll just kind of stare at me. And so I'll go back and say, what'd you do mm-hmm. but for fun when you're dating? And usually they, you know, if they didn't have fun when they're dating, they probably wouldn't have gotten married. So usually <laughs> they can come up with something, you know, yeah. so go back to that and say, okay, just have a date, have a time together. You just go do that. Just have fun together. Don't talk about kids or problems or anything else. Just have fun together. Because I think that builds intimacy. I think that builds closeness when we experience things together. Um, reading the Bible together. And that used to be a thing when I would tell couples in counseling, the guy would look at me like, why did you say that? That's the hardest thing for me to do in the world. And I think since with like you version where guys can, can have the Bible app on their phone, their reading plans there. So he can say, Hey, let's pick a plan and do together. It makes it so much easier to read the Bible than it used to be. And I think that tool has helped so many men that I see, um, read the Bible with their wives. You know, Nancy and I, this year we're reading a chronological deal with the Bible together. And then we use the other plans. And, and like in the chronological one, we both read it in the morning. We don't get up at the same time. We don't do it at the same time. But there's a place there when you're doing it together where you can share your ideas or thoughts or notes or say, what in the heck or what was God doing here? You know, whatever it is that comes to your mind with that. And it's really helped connect us in reading the Bible when we're not face to face. And so there's a lot of tools out there um, to use now that can really help in that area. So reading the Bible together, having fun together, praying together, uh, communicating well, and you know, just the sexual relationship's important, you know, and, and it's another area that, you know, we live in the sex charge culture. And so few couples talk about their sex life. They don't talk about what they like, what they don't like, what they want, what they want it to be. And, and help, helping couples see that this is such an incredible gift that God gave us, and he gave it to us to enjoy in marriage. And in the context of marriage, it's such a beautiful thing. I mean, the, the Hebrews used the word "dowd," which is a mingling of souls. And I think when you're Christians and you come together, there's that spiritual component. And so that when a lot of people, when you think of intimacy, that's all they think about. Intimacy is a lot more than that. But that's such an important piece. And I think when those other things are in place, when we're communicating well, having fun together, just enhances what can happen in the sex, sexual relationship between a couple too.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm, that's so neat because you're right. It is in the culture that we live in again, has, has almost made it difficult for that to be the gift that we've been given, right. To see it in that light. Um, right. I'm. As I was thinking about that, I was thinking how I've always been told and learned from experience that, you know, to build intimacy, especially sexually, we need the emotional first as women and men almost need the sexual first to reach the emotional level of intimacy first, Um, which makes it hard, right? Because we're not, either one of us are starting with what we're, we're full on needing. So kind of going off of that idea a little bit how do we build that sort of sexual intimacy for both? Is it something that we just, maybe this time I serve you in that way and then we meet each other there or how how do you see that play out?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think so. And I, you know, God did that for a reason. Obviously he knew what he was doing and I think what he wanted us to do was to learn how to communicate about it, to connect and talk about it. And so I encourage couples to talk about it. One of the things that, I do when I teach free marriage is have the couples we talk about sex write down what they're looking forward to most in the sex life in marriage and just to get them to start talking and then share that to get them talking about it so so I think wherever you are in sex life I mean I think it is serving each other I think it's being open to that guys usually have well are boundaries in sex relationship you know we think about things that our wives don't think about you know, about them. And, you know, and sometimes that scares wives. And I say, well, ask him what he would like. And she'd say, I'm afraid to, well, you don't have to do what he says, <laughs> <You> know, <just laughs> ask him, you know, it's okay. Uh, but, I, but I think, um, you know, when you look at Song of Solomon and you look at how beautiful the sex relationship is there as, as Solomon and his bride. And, you know, they, we say make love twice in the Bible, you know, and people, you know, think that's really in the Bible. Well, yeah, it is because it's, a gift God gave us. So I think it is being gentle with each other. You know, in our relationship, I had to learn a lot. As twenty years old, you know, I was so stupid about sex. Everything I'd learned was from the wrong places, from older guys, magazines, stuff like that. And so I had so much to learn. And what I think God showed me: you got to learn about her. You may think you know about women, which you really don't. I found out but you don't know anything about her. And so you've got to take the time to talk to her, to find out what she likes, what she doesn't like, what she enjoys and what makes her feel closer to you. Because I think for for a man, that's what we really want. We want in a sexual relationship to know that we can please our wives and that they feel drawn to us Mm -hmm. because of that. And that is at the deep core. And you don't see that in movies or TV shows, Mm -hmm. that part of what a man needs. And I think when we're doing that and then serving our wives, then I think things can begin to fall into place. And I pe- you know, you can pray about your sex life. You can say, God, help us to embrace this gift like you gave us. Help us to have everything you want us to have in this. And it's another prayer that I just think there's so many prayers that we don't pray that when we do, God shows up.
0: Mm. And another, and I think it's that's one of them. Yeah. And it's so, another place that is so vulnerable. I know for myself, when we've gone to have those conversations, I am, in a weird way, terrified of talking about that topic with my husband, who is my best friend, who I have had conversations about, but that seems almost wrong. And I had to, like you were saying, kind of shift my perspective. Someone asked me one time, or actually our pastor asked me, do you think that God delights in the fact that you are having sex? And I automatically was like,
2: no. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, right. Somehow. Not at
0: all. He's never watched that. Um, But it really shifted my perspective a little bit, kind of like what you're saying And yeah, actually, I'm sure that he does delight in the fact that we are enjoying each other in that way and creating that sort of intimacy and that level of connection that you're talking about. Um, But it is so very vulnerable to get to talk to. And I I want to encourage um, the listeners that in those first steps, it's probably going to feel really awkward and very uncomfortable. And that's kind of okay. I think a lot of times the awkward and uncomfortable moments that we get to share with our spouses are the ones that connect us even more.
2: I, I agree. And I think you can start out, start off the positive. Just share one thing you like about your sexual relationship together. And just share that with each other. Just something to begin to get it started, and then you can kind of progress from there. But uh, because it is awkward, and it and it is so funny, it's like we think, okay, somehow somebody, some angel snuck sex into this deal. It shouldn't have been <laughs> God's idea, you know. And it's like, no, it was, he created this way. I mean, our bodies fit perfectly together. It was cre- he created us that way. And so I think from what either our background, or where we got up. We just, it's hard for us to see what your pastor said. I love what he said to you because it made it made us a, a mind shift for you mm-hmm. to begin to look at it more from God's perspective. And I think that's difficult. Nancy grew up the oldest of three daughters that were within four years of each other. And she was, you know, her mom's intentions were good about keeping them pure to marriage, but it was like sex is bad, it's dirty, all those kind of things. So we get married at 20 years old and She wanted to be intimate. She wanted that to be a part of our life, but then she'd feel this guilt afterwards and, you know, I'd have my wife crying afterwards. And it was like, I hated her mom, then. I did. I I got over that and really learned to love her mom. But you know, it was like, what is going on here? So we had a lot to work through and for her to be able to get to the point of saying, yes, this is a gift of God. Yes. He wants us to enjoy it. Yes. That's what I want to do. You know, I want to enjoy that to the fullest as God. Um, and I, I think women struggle with that more than men from my experience, just in counseling of of being able to come to that point of seeing that it is a gift from God and he does want us to embrace it. And he doesn't turn his back on us when we're having sex. You Mm -hmm. know, he wants us to enjoy that.
0: Mm. So I've had, we've had this conversation so many times in, in my past. um, But what sort of, when that happened with Nancy and things like that, what sort of, like, did, what sort of rejection, I guess I should say, is that, did you feel tied with that? How did that maybe shift for you in that sort of situation, if that makes sense?
2: That's a great question. I haven't thought about that in a long time. I guess at that time, um, definitely I felt rejection at times because I thought, you know, this should just be, I don't know, like everything else emerged at that point early on, I thought everything just flowed and went good. And I didn't realize we were going to have to struggle for the things. And so I think when, when I came to, when I quit fighting it and said, I've got to come alongside her on this and help her figure it out. That was a turning point because it was like, all of a sudden we're working on this together. It's not me being upset because we're not having sex or because there's, we have to go through this process afterwards and all that stuff and I was focusing more on that but eventually I was able to stand with her and say okay this is a problem and how are we going to handle it together and that was a turning point for us and and I think that is why our sex life has continued to be important to us all the way through our lives because early on we had to do it now it could have torn us apart at that point you know it definitely could have it could have put us in different directions and no telling tell what all could have happened but it didn't and and so I think it's it it taught us a lot, it brought us together, and it helped us realize, you know, uh, how important it is to talk about the sexual relationship, and we've always done a pretty good job of that.
1: So I'm thinking about the the woman right now who might be listening, thinking, all of this sounds really great, but my husband is just not interested in trying to work with me on our marriage. What What would you say to that woman who desperately wants this, but doesn't have a willing partner?
2: Um a couple things. One, I would say make sure you make sure that he really doesn't want to. I've had women tell me that. And so then we've said, okay, what if you went and talked to him and you said, you know, I want our sex life to be better. I want it to be good for both of us. Can we begin, can we go to counseling about it? Can we begin to talk about it? Something like that. And I would say 75% of the men with that kind of approach have said, Yeah, I'll do that. Because deep down, that's what we want too. you know, we may not show that on the outside. Um, So, but if she does that, then I would say, I would suggest to him, could you convince him to go to um, Christian counseling with you, you know, can suggest that, you know, I really want, again, I want this to be better. We don't seem to be getting any better. I feel like we're drifting apart. Um, Can we go to counseling together? Now, that usually scares guys too, but sometimes I get, But I'll tell, if I'm talking to a woman we're trying to get her husband counseling, I'll say, ask him if he'll just come one time for you. Mm -hmm. And usually a a husband's gonna do that. And then it's God's job through me to kind of help him see this is a safe place and we can make your marriage better by you guys doing this. Does that kind of answer what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I would definitely agree that um, starting from the positive, as you mentioned before, helps with that too. You know, if a wife yeah. approaches it with honey, here's what I really love about our marriage, about our sex life, whatever the topic is, um, then he hopefully will know that she's coming from a place of, of enjoying it and also wanting it to be even better. Um, yeah. That's, that that's might be well less scary <laughs> too, if it's coming. From
2: right. The, from I marriage. agree. And I, you know, if you're, you know, when a wife says that doesn't I mean that the guy's gonna, you know, stick his chest out and go, that's cool. I mean, you know, we want to be affirmed in that area. So yeah. And it's not manipulation. It's just a way to get him to maybe be motivated to even make it better. And, and guys want it better too. And most of the time we, I think with guys, our problem is we think we're supposed to know everything about sex. And so we, we don't talk about it or read stuff about, it or talk about it with our wives when we have, and what I tell guys, you've got to learn about your wife. That's what's important. You can, read about other people and you can read about stuff, but you've got to figure out what works for her. That's what the difference is. Mm-hmm.
1: And I love that you were mentioning too, how you and your wife were able to finally approach it as a team, because I think that is a, an issue a lot of the time is that if the husband and wife feel like they're on opposite sides of this issue, whether one yeah. person wants it more often than the other, or just, you know, they have different opinions on it and they feel like they're on opposite sides and knowing that no, we're, we're in this together. We are one team. Um, trying to to make it better for both of us
2: um, I absolutely a valuable thing mm-hmm. and there's always an answer you know for you know you mentioned that frequency people i get asked that all the time you know i think the stat is two and a half times a week and so i don't know how you do the half time but you know mm-hmm. i've never figured that out. <laughs> but what i tell couples is you've it's got to be what's good for you as a couple yeah. don't get caught up if you have friends and they have sex every day or they have sex once a month or whatever it is, what's going to work for you guys and meet the needs of you guys. And usually the husband is going to be the one that wants more frequency in most cases. Everyone's all have it worse the life, but most of the time it's the husband. And so getting those conversations out and, and figuring out how do we make that happen together?
0: I was listening to um, actually one of your podcasts and you talked about kind of protecting your spouse's I wanna say reputation when you're out amongst people. And it was interesting because as I was thinking about this, I was almost tying it together and thinking how you just said don't compare and things like that. And I was thinking it's interesting how I wonder what sort of connection there is to our intimacy with kind of protecting our husband's reputation or our wife's reputation when we're out and about. And especially, you know, I I find a lot as women that it's I don't want to call it husband bashing, but that's probably you know, we like to call it venting. Um, but Mm -hmm. I find that it is more or less, you know, some sort of husband bashing. Um, what do you think the connection might be on protecting our spouse's reputation with our intimate life?
2: Um, I, you know, I think women talk, I think it is what, what is the intent of the people you're talking to? If it is to bash husbands, then I would get out of that group, honestly. If it's, if it's a group of guys, if that's what their topics came about, about their wives, I'd probably get out of it. I think there can be good things about talking about things, but I think when you, one, I think your sex life is a real private thing between a couple. And now, do we share about ours and things and trying to help other people? Absolutely. And so I think from that standpoint, but um I don't know, I I guess there's just some lines, some things that are very intimate and private to a couple that you don't share with other people. Um, Mm It's kind of how I say that.
0: Do you think there's a connection maybe on just protecting their reputation in general, um, the things that we say about them, maybe not related to the sex life, but just kind of for us then bringing that into our intimate relationship?
2: Yeah, I think think what we say matters a lot to the people that hear it and to ourselves. And if if I'm talking about negative things, if I'm not protecting Nancy, if I'm saying things like that, I'm kind of putting a negative spin on it for me too. Mm -hmm. And I don't want that for me. And I don't want other people to see her that way. And, And so I think for me, when I talk about, if I can't say something good about her to someone else, I don't think I should be saying anything at all. And, and there's always good things to say about your spouse. So I can share things that I love about her, enjoy about her. uh, You know, and I can, you know, if we're talking about our sex life, I can say this is something that we work on together. Mm -hmm. And it's something that is important to both of us. So yeah, I don't, I just, it bothers me a lot when I, when I hear couples or people say negative things about their spouse out in public in front of other people. I just don't think there's any value in that at all. If you're in a counseling room. Yeah, that's different. Because you're looking for a solution. But if you're just doing to get people to feel sorry for you or just to vent, I don't know that that's the right place. Now, I think everybody probably has a best friend that they talk to. And, you know, and someone you trust and someone's going to know that, that loves your spouse and knows you love them, but you're just trying to work through some things. That's a different deal. But just, you know, having lunch with a bunch of people and then just bashing your spouses. Uh, I can't see anything good that comes out of it. Yeah.
0: And I think that's important because I'm trying to think of how, for us, we, like I said, we need to feel emotionally connected really before we're ready to have a sexual encounter. Um, and and kind of like what you're saying is, if all day we're talking positive and we're trying to find the positive in our husband throughout the day, um, I wonder how much more connected we might feel at the end of the day without even realizing that we now. Because most times, I find the women that I'm around will say, like, "Well, he didn't feed into my emotions. It didn't. I didn't feel like he cared that day about my emotions." But listening to you speak, I'm almost thinking like we can create that sort of emotional connection if we are handling it correctly throughout the day on how we think about him, how we talk about him, things like that. We might be a little more willing in the evening than not.
2: Yeah. Now I think it's interesting. I had a lady one time that taught me this. She, they, we had been working on their sex life and they decided they kind of wanted the frequency to be a couple of times a week. Well, what she did on her calendar or her reminder, she put, she put, TS on it, which meant think sex. And she Mm -hmm. saw that. And so the days that they had decided, because they, with kids and stuff, they decided we're going to have to be real intentional at this stage of life about, we don't want to always schedule our sex, but we kind of need to now. Mm -hmm. She said that helped her so much. She said, I would think about it. I would pray about it. I would be ready. And so when the end of the day come, he said, honestly, I got to where I was, I couldn't hardly wait for us to uh, get the kids in bed and for that to happen. And I think what you said is exactly true because she had focused on the positive and what they were trying to do in their marriage, how much her husband enjoyed it. And that she said, know, yeah, that's another thing. If your husband enjoys it, you need to enjoy it. Too. I mean, what if something's keeping you from enjoying it, then when you need to work on it and figure out what it is with your husband, you know, so that that is enjoyable for you too. And I think, you know, Kev, I think it was Kevin Lehman who's written some stuff on couples, a lot of good stuff on couples, but he said, what happens the other 23 and a half hours a day it depends. It shows a lot of what's going to happen that 30 minutes in the bedroom or whatever, you know, and it is. And I think that's where us as husbands come in. We we need to do things that are going to draw you close to us. We need to uh, respect you and care for you and say, how can I help you? And those things that when a husband does that consistently, a lot of times the sex life just takes care of itself because you know, the wife feels more connected and loved and cared for. And and that's part of our role. I mean, you know, if you've been gruff all day with your wife and you come storming in the bedroom, you know, at 1030 at night, like you're God's gift to women, you're probably not going to, probably nothing's <laughs> going to happen, you know. <laughs> not not going to happen. <laughs>
1: So one of my favorite things I've heard you say um, is a quote along the lines of, we need to have realistic, positive expectations for our marriage. Yeah, and I think not just talking about the, the physical intimacy, but just intimacy in general. I think that's such a great approach to it, um, and something that we don't often think about. A lot of times, we'll just end up settling and think, "Well, this is just what I've got, so this is what I'll deal with." Um, yeah. So how, how do we? How can we help ourselves have more of those, both realistic but also really positive expectations?
2: I think um, one thing is exercise. I've had couples do is just sit down and write down the expectations that they have of their marriage and then to sit down together and say what ones are realistic and what ones are not realistic and see what they come up with. And then we can kind of brainstorm and say, where would you like to, your marriage to be in five years from now or even a year from now? And what's it going to take to do that? And so then together you're kind of putting those expectations down and saying, okay, if, if our expectation is that we are best friends, okay, what are you going to do between now and next year to make that happen? Well, you're gonna have to spend time together. You've got to have fun together. You've got to listen well. You are so listening is so much part of communication. Uh, You've got to do those things, and so I think then those become realistic expectations that you have on your marriage. And I think a lot of us bring all kinds of expectations into marriage from our family of origin, from our culture, those kind of things. And so I think it's important to kind of get down and say, well, that's not realistic, or that's not realistic for us, and that that's okay to to get those off the table because that's gonna keep you from struggling in those areas and begin to say okay this is really what we want for marriage these are the expectations expectations that will move us where we want to be toward that awesome marriage and how do we accomplish that together that you know and so i think it's again it's coming together seeing the problem not get caught up your family of origin i mean that was your textbook of marriage whether we like it or not whether it was both parents in the home divorced whatever that was still your textbook and so most couples have some good things that came about that that they can talk about do we want to bring this forward and then there's probably a lot of things we need to leave behind from our family of origin too
1: and just that exercise of listing our expectations like that alone can build such great intimacy I think between a husband and a wife um, because again that's something that we rarely talk about we might have those yeah. expectations in our head but we don't necessarily think to express them out loud Um, or we assume that our, our spouse has the same expectations that we do. And by actually writing it out, just that alone, I think can really help build the intimacy that, um, women in particular are wanting (laughs) Um, of, of leading to a great marriage.
2: Yes. I mean, I I think it's just anytime we can do something intentional together, that's going to be good for a marriage. It is going to connect to you and it is going to make you feel closer together. And it feels like, like in that you've accomplished something you've taken and unloaded probably a bunch of baggage you've been carrying in the marriage for a long time that you can get rid of. And now you're working together on accomplishing these things. And so you can say, okay, you can even set some goals together. Okay. What are we going to do in three months, six months, you know, like that and begin to work together on those things. And that's always fun and it always moves your marriage forward. And, um, And connects you. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And it really makes you feel like you're a team. Like you said earlier, when you have goals that you're striving for together, or like you said, expectations that, you know, this is what we both believe. That sort of team camaraderie comes in. Right. And then I, I, I played softball and I always had a coach that told me like, it's okay if you hate me because at least you have a common enemy something will bring you together. And I'm thinking as I'm listening to the expectations, I'm thinking, okay, but like that way, when someone, when something, some outside force is coming in that could possibly affect or damage your marriage, you're almost a team now being like, okay, no, this is where we're going. And I see that. And no matter what's going to happen, you're my teammate. So I'm going to be able to fight off that even in those hard times that can be our common enemy, which is kind of a neat, neat idea for us to think of.
2: No, I think, and I think that goes back to what we talked about at the beginning with Adam and Eve and God. I mean, you are teammates and and God's your coach is a, way, a great way to look at it, you know? And so you go to him for advice and direction and that kind of stuff. And then as a team, you carry those things out. And I think when a couple can get that picture that they are a team, it's huge. Because then you just, everything that happens, you look at it differently. And you come together to solve things and instead of letting things pull you apart.
0: Yeah. I, um one of the things that I did kind of just to shift spots a little bit is I had asked a lot of our listeners to send in some questions that they might have for you on this topic. Um, and I just picked a couple out that I, I thought would be kind of interesting to hear your answer on. Um, one of them was how do you build this sort of intimacy in the marriage? If one of the spouses, the wife just became a believer and her husband is not, um, what would you kind of recommend for her moving forward, trying to build this sort of intimacy without pushing her husband into making a decision to believe?
2: And, and I think that's not that unusual situation, honestly. I think that that happened, especially if, if both of them came into marriage and neither one were a believer. Um, I think she, I think um, she needs to be patient with him. She doesn't need to be pushy with him. I, I think, the, I mean, the real answer to what she wants is, is really up to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's the one who's going to draw him to her. And I think her modeling what Jesus has done in her life, letting him see the changes that Jesus is making in her life, I mean, I think that happened over time. I, I had one lady that I loved this lady. She used to work for my dad, and she was a strong believer, and her faith kept getting stronger, and her husband didn't want anything to do with it. And she probably prayed for him and came alongside of him and didn't bad dream about it for 20 years. And then one day he became a believer in the last 10 years of his life. He served the Lord alongside of her. So the prayer was answered. We, I know we all want it to happen right then, but I don't think you're get, you're not going to force him to be a Christian and, and probably it may push him farther away. I think you've got to model and you can ask him, would you go to church with me? I mean, I don't know. You don't really, believe that but can go and then we'll go where you want to go for lunch or something like that you, know, well, you just go with me and and things like that and then maybe share some things not in a too overt a way but you know you know since I've become a Christian this is what I see God doing in my life and this is a difference for me and, and just be gentle in how you share things and so whatever and maybe you can get him to talk about it you know sometimes if people are really against it maybe something happened in their childhood or growing up or something that kind of they turn their back on God at some point. Mm. Um, And so maybe just being patient and maybe those conversations will come up, but um, it it just takes, I think, time, patience, and prayer is what I advise more than anything, you know?
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Um, Yeah, that's great. And, And I can see how kind of frustrating at times that would be, especially when we're listening to, podcasts like this and we're hearing things like pray with your spouse and read your Bible with your spouse and things like that. So I can see how that would be something that might at times be um, painful, but I, I kept thinking as I was listening to you on, well, on all of this, but really, you know, almost remembering every day to, to give our spouse a bucket full of grace.
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, and I think, um, you know, God talks about being not being, unequally yoked in a marriage and and certainly going into marriage. I think that's something that everybody's got to really consider if you are a believer and if you're really considering being in a relationship, because it is going to be some struggles in that. I I think, um, but then when God brings somebody to, for whatever reason, after they've been married, um, it's such a cool thing. And then I think it, it is hard just to kind of wait for your spouse to come along. And I think, you know, my, gut? Is that that's going to happen? That's what God wants. You know, God wants it more than you want it. And so, um, be patient.
0: That's a good reminder. The next one, um, was what does it look like and what kind of first step should be taken for couples to rebuild this sort of intimacy after infidelity?
2: Yeah, that's tough. Um, and I deal with, you know, I was talking to somebody about not too long ago, perhaps the couples I deal with now, there's infidelity at some level. It may not be a full physical affair, but it may be an emotional affair, maybe pornography or something like that. So a lot of couples deal with it. Um, I do see couples, Christian couples, being willing to fight for their marriage more than I probably did 10 years ago. Uh, There's a time in my counseling that if someone, if there was infidelity, it usually was 99% the end of the marriage. It was just... That was it and i see people fighting more but it but it's a tough fight i mean because you've got to go through, say if say, if your husband went out and say you're the one that that, that happened to your husband had an affair and uh, and so you've got all these emotions that you've got to deal with and and grieve through it and it's a huge grief process because something died that you held very very precious in your marriage and so you've got to let yourself have time to grieve and then you got to deal with the scripture that says you have to forgive him which that's hard, you know, when God says and, and I think it takes time. My experience is I'll I'll kind of lay that out there with somebody and I'll say this is just something we gotta consider at some point. And then I think eventually God helps them see, I gave, I forgave you and you've got to forgive your spouse. And coming to that point now, is that a process? Absolutely. Does that take time? Absolutely. And then I think a lot falls on, on the the man, if it is in the situation, the man that went well, out the marriage. I mean, you've got to pursue her. You've got to be willing to build trust. You've got to do whatever it takes day after day after day to show her that you want her back, that you're so sorry for what you did. You'll never do it again. and And to try to rebuild something. And, you know, one of my good friends is one of our pastors uh, at one of our campuses at Life Church, and his story is that he years ago did do that, and and his wife stayed. And, and what he said to me one time was, um, he said, I will do whatever it takes every day of the rest of my life to redeem what I did to my wife. And he said, I will never ask her, have I done it long enough? I'll never ask her. Uh, anything like that. I continue to do that. She'll always know where I am. She'll always, um, you know, there'll never be questions there. And if they are, I will answer them completely. So I don't want her to have to worry about that. And they build a beautiful marriage. So it can be done. And I see couples do that, but it takes a lot of work. And you, you kind of, you've got to build this foundation and build trust. And that's it, I don't think people know how valuable trust is until it's broken. And then when you realize what it takes to rebuild it, it's like, Oh my gosh, why did I even do that? You know? And, most people that i see whether they've committed adultery really are repentant it's it, we live in a culture that makes it look so appealing and so harmless and it's so devastating and I, in fact i had a guy not too long ago tell me said i never knew this would hurt my wife like it has mm-hmm. and, and i think he was sincere in that he just didn't he's oblivious to how the depth of the pain that came for her so i hope that kind of answered but i yes i think it can happen i think it's a process when i start with a couple when they come in and it's been an adultery situation, you know, I tell them right off, I said, you're going to be here more than a year easily. I hope from a year from now, you guys are able, you're uh, on your way, but it's going to take a lot of time and you're going to take steps forward and you're going to take steps backwards and new things to deal with. Because I think with like a wife that's had her husband go out of the marriage, she deals with the things there, but it's interesting how other, things come up. And then she begins to deal with her own. Am I inadequate? Was I not good enough? And all these things that that I think the enemy throws at her that are lies because she is good enough and she is beautiful enough. And he chose her at one time. He just made a stupid mistake and went outside the marriage. And so, but there's so many parts of going through that. And it's, but what I've seen with couples that have made it, it's worth it. It's worth it. And I've had couples tell me, Three or four years down the line, that was the worst thing that ever happened in our marriage. Our marriage is better today than it's ever been. Mm -hmm. And that's really a testament to what God can do in a marriage, no matter what happens.
1: Yeah.
0: Did you have any more questions?
1: Well, we I think we have mostly women listening in here today. And so I want to take advantage quickly of having a male person. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um and just to get really practical and ask you what is one thing that you would recommend um the wives that are listening that they do today um that would be honoring to their marriage or honoring to their husband what's one really practical step they could even do today
2: Um that's such a good question. All the guys that are listening are going to talk about sex, but now I'm not. <laughs> <Right>. gonna- <laughs>
1: well, and maybe that's the answer. <laughs> uh
2: what, I'll tell you what, what Nancy does so well when I come home in the evening and I know some, a lot of people that are listening have kids. I mean, we had kids, we made our time together after the kids went to bed, but we we're pretty faithful about always doing that because we learned to value that. I think showing him that you care, um, knowing what his love language is, and then um, doing what you can to meet that love language. really good it you know we come i get home in the evening and you know sometimes i'm tired and i don't want to talk and she makes me talk and and afterwards i'm always glad you know because she shows she cares she listens well uh she is interested in what goes on in my day and so i i guess for one thing is just just come alongside him you know and and tell him that you care for him that you you know tell him what a good daddy is Tell him what a good husband he is, even if you know there's a lot of things you'd like to correct that you're hoping God's going to change, but, you know, affirm him. We need the affirmation, you know, but a a man can get a lot of affirmation in his work and with what he does, but you're the only one that can confirm those kind of things for him. And so if he hears them from you, he's not as prone to go outside and hear them from someone else or in his work or whatever. And so those are the things that are important to me. You know, it, you know, and it's great that Nancy, if she cooks a special dinner and it's great and if the house looks great when I come home. But just having, knowing that she wants to spend time with me and has carved out so she can spend time with me is really important.
0: Mm-hmm. I think it's so important to just reiterate the fact that you said that our home is the only place and with the wife is the only place that he can get those sort of affirmations. Um, because I think we f- really forget as wives how much power we actually have in our husband's life. Um, yeah. And so I think that that's really important just to say that again, that we have more power than we think that we do in our husband's life. And it is important to use those times to affirm him.
2: You know, I, I can think of an instance of it was early on in Awesome Marriage, and I was doing a TV interview, and Nancy was watching other people. And so I got in the car, and people were texting me and saying, you did good, and then she calls me. And she said, you did such an awesome job on that. And it's like, I don't care if anybody else texts me, it was Her saying that that was the the only, others mattered, but not on the level that it mattered that she said that whether she meant it or not, it made me feel good, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. And we forget that. We easily forget that as wives that we do hold that much power in their lives. So that's, that's, I'm glad that you brought that up.
2: Um, well, I think as husbands too, we need to do that for our wives because nobody can affirm your role as a nurturer and a lover of the that the abilities God given you in the same way that, that we can. And so it goes both ways there. You know, we need to affirm those things for our wives too. Yeah.
0: That's really good. Well, Dr. Kimberlyn, thank you so much for taking the time for us and for talking with all of this about all of this with us. I really want listeners to be able to find you where I know that you have a podcast. Can you kind of direct people to where you're at and what you're doing right now?
2: Well, awesomemarriage.com is probably a link to everything we do. Um, The book is the 14 keys to lasting love. It's available everywhere, uh, online bookstores and many bookstores Barnes and Noble has it, places like that. It is an audio book also. Um, and we're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram and those kind of places. YouTube, our YouTube channel has a ton of great videos that we've done over the years uh on all kinds of subjects. But really, you can in the podcast you can find it on iTunes or you can link to it through our website. But our website kinda is an entry to kind of everything that we're doing right now.
0: Awesome. I will also link all of those things to the show notes. So thank you so much for taking the time with us and for talking about all this with us. We're really grateful for your time today.
2: Thanks so much. It's been a blast.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you want quotes from each episode or want to find and reach out to the awesome people interviewed, please find us on Instagram under at Tales of Moxie and follow us for all the details and for info on who will be on the show in the weeks to come. As always, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email me at talesofmoxie at gmail.com. I love hearing from you guys. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week.